0: Back here on Sports Talk, Steve Geller along with Charlie Long hanging out, you'll we'll be here till 8 o'clock this evening. Joining us now in the radio huddle is Cokie Riley, who writes for the Daily Advertiser, also part of the USA Today Network. Cokie, thank you so much for all the time. I know you've been busy following this MLB draft and everything the Tigers have been doing. Was it a surprise to you that the, Tiger, uh, the Tigers, the Pirates, ended up going with Skeen's number one overall after all that talk of Maybe they go a different direction? Um, a little bit.
1: Uh, I, I sort of figure, at least personally, that um they were gonna go with uh Wyatt Langford or one of the high school kids um w- w- once we got to the day. Um that's where Once, what most of the mock drafts were saying and just looking at the just looking at what the pirates need and uh, sort of the strategy that they may deploy, it it made some sense given that um they didn't want to go uh at at the very least they didn't want to go over slot for the number one overall pick and, and not have as much money to uh build out the rest of their draft, especially an organization that um needs a lot of young talent, right? And they need to build up that farm system in order to to get to where a team like Baltimore is right now where they they went under slot uh, and they had the top pick or close to the top pick for years and Um, they were able to trickle that money down and build up their system. And and now they're one of the better teams in baseball with a bunch of young talent, um, including some of the top guys that they've already picked. So um, I, I, I think this makes sense for the pirates. Um, I think this is the best decision that they could have made. I'm just a little surprised that they made it because it just, it seemed like they preferred Lankford. And, and, And as we know, hitters are a little bit more safer than pitchers, even, even if you're as good as Paul Skeens, but I think Skeens is the exception. I, I think he um, th- should, would absolutely deserve to be in consideration for the number one overall pick, um, had the best season in college baseball, regardless of position, in my opinion. And not only that, you can get him at, you know, full slot, or maybe even less than full slot, while also build up the rest of your minor league system, and not just minor league system, the rest of your draft. So. I just think it made a lot of sense on a bunch of different levels for Pittsburgh.
0: Yeah, to me, I have to imagine that obviously they see the talent that's there, but once they got to talk to Skeens, I figured he pretty much closed the deal on it just because uh, not only the talent he is, but also because of the person.
1: No, yeah, absolutely. I mean – just a super mature, upstanding guy. I've written about him a whole ton, whether it's his maturity, whether it's sort of the goofy personality that he has, whether it's like um, all this stuff that he learned from the Air Force and sort of the kid he was in high school. Um, and, I, I, it, and I and and I, got to say, like, there, there really hasn't been a flaw since I've been um, sort of doving into all that sort of stuff. I think if you combine every element that, that you could possibly think of when it comes to this pick, I think the Pirates made the right decision. Even if you could definitely argue that Cruz is the better player, I, I think it's I think Skeens had the better season if that makes sense. Because as great as Cruz was, and he was absolutely fantastic, and this is nothing against Cruz, but like Paul Skeens was the best pitcher in baseball this year, and it wasn't even close. I mean, there yeah. were some hitters <laughs> that had also had great, great seasons, and they we're also in an era of college baseball were obviously hitting is. Um, it, 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 there hitters definitely have advantages over pitchers, not, not just because of the the metal bats, but also uh, the smaller ballparks in the SEC, especially. And all even with all those circumstances, Skeen still had a what well, like a one point six nine ERA and a two point one five ERA in SEC play. Like that's that's crazy. So, um, I, I he had the best season out of anyone in college baseball, regardless of position, at least in my opinion. And, um I, I think that's a pretty darn good reason. To go along the fact fact he throws hundred and two and has an excellent has an immaculate character. Um that those are all great reasons to have him as an number one overall pick.
2: Cookie kind of looking at the first pick for LSU for today and it was Trey Morgan going to Tampa Bay I think, Steve and I were talking about this earlier, I think that's a great spot for Trey Morgan to land at. Because if you look at Tampa Bay and you look at their payroll, they, their payroll's low, but they have such great player development, a great front office, a great management staff, and they really get the most out of what they get, for like what their players that they draft and develop. Um, so I think it's a really good spot. His role is going to be at the MLB level because the defensive Uh, position of first base is kind of devalued it's more of where you kind of put put your big guy that can hit a bunch of home runs and not have to really worry about defense because infielders are so stellar at the at the MLB level Uh, but what do you kind of think about Trey Morgan going to Tampa Bay what his projection is at the major league level and what he'll do with that organization
1: yeah I think Tampa's a real Tampa made a lot of sense to me once they picked him because I mean that's an organization that lost like versatility they like athletes Um, they're willing to pick sort of the tweener guys. And I think Trey Morgan's a tweener guy because um, he's like a fantastic athlete, a really good athlete, a fantastic defensive first baseman who can also play the outfield, but he doesn't have the power to play first base at the next level. And he probably will never get there. So he's a tough evaluation because of that, Um, even though he's, even though his contact skills are really good. So, uh, with, with like, I think the Rays are kind of in a unique situation where they can like roll the dice on a guy like that in the third round, and um, they're just not afraid to put a guy like that into their into their developmental system, uh, really expound on their strengths and increase their versatility as players. Because like the Rays, they are they are the masters of finding pennies underneath the couch cushions, right? And I think Trey Morgan's kind of perfectly like that. Uh, it's kind of like a perfect example of that. And they like doing that. And they also like getting um, young high school players up the middle who are, uh, who, who have high potential. And I think they did that with their, um, I think it was their comp pick or their second round pick. I think they did exactly that. Um, so like, I think Morgan's a pretty good fit for them. And I, I think they're going to do a good job of, hopefully improving his power to the point where he could be a corner outfielder at the next level. I don't think he's even there yet, Um, but they know they have an athlete here uh, with enough projectability to where he can definitely help them out at the major league level um, at some point, I think, at least
2: cookie you've done a great job kind of keeping up with obviously lsu's baseball commitments and where they've been picked and really the only one has been blake mitchell who was drafted number eight overall in the first round by the royals and i think a lot of people were really surprised to see that cameron johnson who was a highly touted left-handed pitcher was not taken early on in the first couple rounds and now he's probably not going to be taken at all at this point because of what his slotted value was expected to be so what do you think about him and his kind of I don't want to really jinx anything necessarily, koki but him potentially ending <laughs> up at LSU this upcoming season.
1: Well, I would say before the draft started, I would have said there was a 95 to 99% chance that he was going to go off the major league baseball. I mean, this guy's the number 11 um, player in the nation. According to perfect game um, was a top somewhere around, I think he was 42nd in MLB.com and like the top 60 or 70 and at and the other projection systems too. And, um, to give you an idea, like the highest rated or the highest ranked um, player in Perfect Game System last year, who came to LSU was Paxton Kling. I think he was like 15 or 16, and Cam Johnson's ahead of him um, in this year. Well, I, I, obviously it's hard to compare one year to another, but it, but it is, but it does give you like a good idea of like how talented this kid is. I'm pretty sure he's the number one left-handed pitcher in the state of Florida too, which is again like that's <laughs> it's hard. Rarely do those guys, those those sort of guys go to college. Right. And it looks like that's probably what's probably going to happen here. Um, even before, even heading into the day, I thought there was a better chance than not. He was going to get picked early in the third. Um, and one of these teams that, you know, had some extra money would and were willing to spend it. Uh, he he had some extra money just from saving up from the first couple of rounds and just had, has had it to spend it on the on him. And it just made sense. Um, that that was going to happen and so far that just hasn't hasn't happened yet and um right now as it stands lsu will have 13 new freshmen heading into the next season and that's a lot of players um how many of them stick it will be interesting to see like uh, how many scholarships they have the the hand around at that point and um i think and again like only to gavin dugas and trey morgan were selected today and i was expecting a lot more guys to come off the board not just Chinese, but also college guys. Right, like Braden Jobert's name hasn't been said yet, nor is Jordan Thompson's, which really floors me. Um, the Jordan Thompson one, especially, uh, and like Hayden Travinsky. I mean, we can go down the line. Uh, Riley Cooper, who I believe said um, in Baton Rouge radio that he intends on going to Major League Baseball, he still hasn't been picked yet. Like, this is just a ton of guys and a ton of guys that I thought were, you know, definitely quality enough prospects and players to be top 10 round picks at this point, maybe their numbers are just higher than what teams are comfortable paying them at this point. And um, I think the 11th round is going to be pretty telling because uh, we're going to see which teams are comfortable enough with spending a little bit extra on maybe, maybe a couple of these LSU guys who we'll save high school or not. Um, but yeah, it, it just, overall, it's been really, it's a pretty, it's been a pretty surprising day and, if you were telling me Gavin Dugas would be would be the next next player picked after Trey Morgan. Um and and i i I would have been really, really shocked because I would have figured at least a couple other guys would have gone by that point, you know.
0: Right. Yeah. You mentioned a bunch of names there too, and Koki, I'm curious. Do you think a guy like P- Cade Kate Beloso has a chance of getting drafted? Um
1: I I, mean, I don't know I don't know what kids intentions are in general like does he even want to play professional baseball like um, does he just want to it, the, it was the college world series a swan song but right. I mean if some of these if he's gonna sign here's the thing like he's not gonna the, one of the reasons why like Washington got Dugas because I mean, they knew that he wasn't gonna sign for much um, his, and and getting and drafting a guy like Dugas will probably help me pay for. Dylan Cruz actually because Cruz has has been widely reported wants over slot money so um i yeah like i i i i i'm not going to rule it out just because um just because like heck i, I don't think he would I, I, he would definitely be like a strong underslot candidate for these teams um but at the same time i don't know how willing he's uh, how willing he is to play major league baseball um uh, moving forward so we'll see though maybe i'm wrong but uh i i then again i also didn't think gavin dugos would be uh, picked in the first six rounds of the draft um, i thought maybe he'd be like a ninth or tenth round guy just as an under as like a decent underslaught candidate you know he's not the greatest athlete which is probably why his ceiling isn't terribly high but i mean washington liked him enough so um there he goes
2: cookie kind of looking at the first day of the MLB draft specifically and kind of thinking of who won the early rounds I'm kind of looking at Cincinnati a team that really surprised a lot of people in the first half of the 2023 MLB season and they go out and get Rhett Lauder at seventh overall and then Ty Floyd at 38 overall because when you're looking at their team I mean we just talked to Bob Nightingale of USA Today and he kind of said that like Cincinnati's got the stellar young hitting prospects, but they need more pitching. So they just go out and get, you know, Rhett Lauder and Ty Floyd, who we just saw absolutely dominate in Omaha. But what are your thoughts about those two decisions? And obviously Ty Floyd's fit in Cincinnati.
1: Yeah, I thought that was, I I thought, yeah, since these drafts have been pretty interesting, they've gone pretty heavy on college. And I think their second round pick, they went high school shortstop. So um, I think they saved money, at least on the Floyd pick, so they could pick the high school shortstop later in the second round, because that's mean that's just kind of how the draft works right I mean you save money in some some spots so you can spend it a little bit more on usually a high school guy later so um that's also that that also might be a reason why that's kind of my theory as to why Jordan Thompson is still on the board. Is that his number it got to a point where his number was too high for teams after the fourth or fifth round and now he's still on the board uh through 10 rounds but anyway uh yeah I, I think I mean, I I think Latta is just an incredible pitcher. He's insanely polished. Like it, his ability to control all three of his pitches. He de- he's definitely a starter candidate for sure at the major league level. Um, I don't know if he's like the most talented guy ever. Uh, I don't think he's Paul Skeen's level levels of talent and athleticism, but he's about as polished as you can get for a college pitcher. And he he, he I, that's a guy who I imagine is going to like shoot up shoot up their system pretty quickly. Um, and since he needs pitching, and uh, I don't think he's gonna help him this year, I think that's a little bit too fast and you know he's already pitched a lot this this in this calendar year um but he's definitely a guy who I think can help them um and as for ty like Ty is kind of an interesting Ty in a major league context is kind of interesting, right because I think his fastball fits perfectly for the major league level, the major league game today. I mean, that high fastball, high spin rate, um, velocity is definitely good Is good enough for sure. And, I mean, that short arm action, it just makes it really, really hard for hitters to see that pitch. And, I mean, Florida really couldn't see it at all. That's why I got 17 strikeouts in the College World Series final. And um, that pitch alone gives him a chance to, to have, to be a top-of-the-line sort of starter at the major league level. Maybe not an ace, but like a number two or number three starter, or like a Spencer Strider type, think like of him with the Braves. Um, those two guys are pretty similar in the way they, uh, with their release points, um, with the way they win, with the way, with how they win with their fastballs and uh, that, those, that high spin rate. But Strider's breaking stuff is also excellent. And Ty Floyd just isn't there yet. And, that's gonna be the really. That's gonna be the thing. That kind of hinges with with his major league career, in my opinion. If, if he can break off that breaking ball, those breaking balls, I should say, the slider and the curveball. If he can like elevate those pitches to at least average major league level, then he could be a very good starter in the league. But if he doesn't get there, it's gonna to be tough for me to see him um, really break through as a starter. And maybe he'll just be a reliever. But even then, it might be tough for him to really be a reliever because you need you still need a second pitch to be a good reliever. So, um, yeah, like he's he's just he's, – he's kind of a tricky evaluation that way, a little, kind of high ceiling, low floor guy a little bit. Um, and there's some projection you need to do with him because of that as, as a college guy. But, I mean, the ceiling's pretty high for the number 38 overall pick, just given how good that fastball is.
2: And then, Koki, my other question for you would be now that we're kind of getting through the MLB draft, I know that we still have a couple of days left, but looking at LSU's roster this upcoming season, they obviously lose Skeens, they lose Floyd, they lose Grant Taylor, who went in the second round to the White Sox, but now looking Mm -hmm. at kind of what their pitching projects to be, obviously you're bringing back Thatcher Hurd. But I think that Jay Johnson and the coaching staff has a lot to do in the portal to bring in guys that could start for this team in the upcoming season. What do you kind of think about the the LSU's potential moves in the transfer portal to add starting pitching depth?
1: Here's the interesting thing with the way this draft has broken down so far. They have so many guys who are who can now at least feasibly come back or guys who they didn't expect to come in, or maybe they didn't expect to come in, maybe they did, maybe they didn't, who knows? Um, that can now come into the fold as high school signees. Like Cam Johnson is the perfect example of this, right? I think everyone just sort of figured Cameron Johnson would get picked in the first two rounds and he would go and they wouldn't get that talented of a guy. Well, now it looks like there's a better chance than not. He's going to be on the roster. So you have him, you have Gage Jump, you've already added from the transfer portal. You have Thatcher Heard, you have Griffin Herring, uh, I mean, I mean, I, you're pro- there's a chance Jaden New could be ready by then. I mean, he was, I believe, the number one pitcher in California, but but didn't um, pitch at all for LSU this past season because of injury. Uh, they have a lot of, they just have a lot of pitchers, a lot of bodies to the point where it's hard for me to see them add any more players because there's just a there's just a giant roster crunch now. I mean, I mentioned this earlier, but. At the moment they have thirteen guys projected projected in their freshman class. That's just freshmen. And they've added four guys from the portal and there's a chance that like Joe Bear and Nate Ackenhausen and Riley Cooper and all these guys come back because major league baseball was wasn't willing to give them X amount of dollars to, to get drafted. Granted, this could all change pretty quickly tomorrow. <laughs> um, and some of these guys could go early in the eleventh or the twelfth round and um, uh, uh, you know, and, and maybe guys that decide to enter the transfer portal or whatever. But at the moment, they have so many bodies on this roster, at least as it stands and especially left-handed pitchers. They have, this team has so many left-handed pitchers now that they've added two from the portal. They, they could potentially bring back all the lefties they had last year. And they have what three or four lefty signees. So they have so many different options and they don't have a lot of Superstars. There's no Paul Sines. There's no Dylan Cruz there, but there's just a lot of roster depth on this team now. It's going to be really fascinating to see, like over the, over the rest of this month, to see like what it actually what the final shakeup ends up looking like. Um, but I just think for now, it's it's hard to navigate like how aggressive they even can be in the transfer portal. Um, when, when more specifically answer your question, I think right now at the moment, my guess is the rotation is heard. Of course, um, Gage Jump who. Didn't pitch at all last season for UCLA um, and missed half of his freshman year after getting Tommy John surgery half of the year, but had a pretty, but pitched pretty well. Uh, and that during that 22, 2022 season before he got hurt, uh, he's transferred to LSU. And my guess is he'll be in the rotation. But the, again, we're really, early, these are really early days. Um, so yeah, those two guys. And then I think Griffin Herring's a, a pretty darn good candidate for the third spot. Uh, he has starter length. We've already seen it. Um, he can get up to 60, 70 pitches. That's right now. And then have him go through a fall, to, you know, throwing 80 pitches every, what, six, seven days. And all of a sudden there's your third starter. And then they have a bunch of guys who could either potentially come back later in the season and, and help them out, like a guy like Chase Shores or um, like freshmen, like, you know, I mean, it's early, maybe maybe he ends up getting drafted tomorrow and this doesn't matter, like Cam Johnson or Jake Brown, um, two very talented lefties who were both top 100 prospects in lb.com's rankings. Like, maybe maybe those two guys become candidates for starting spots or uh, maybe a guy like Micah Bucknam develops or maybe Nate Akenhausen takes a spot after he was so good in the College World Series. There's just a lot of different names, a lot of different options for this team, and it's going to be really interesting to see, like, how they navigate through all of this. And granted, again, like a few of these guys will probably get picked tomorrow and that will help sort out the, the roster crunch they have right now. But at the same time, like it, <laughs> it's it's really it, – this today was, was really uh, eye-opening in terms of what this roster could look like um, for next season just because there just weren't a lot of names that
0: came off the board. Koki, always appreciate the time. Great insight as always. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me on again, guys. That's Koki Koki Riley, LSU reporter for USA Today Sports South Region with the Daily Advertiser.